0: Good morning, church. So good to be with you. We are continuing our series uh, entitled, Who Am I? Who Am I? And I believe that God has a good word for us this morning. And so let's dive right in. You all got got pictures, right? Okay, we're going to use this later on in the sermon. So if you didn't get a picture, make sure you get a picture from one of our wonderful photographers outside. All right. So if you have your Bibles, would you, um, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to begin this morning um, in verse verse 16 and 17. We're going to look at verse 16 and 17 in Matthew chapter 3. And while you're turning there, let me kind of set the scene for you. And so... The location of this particular uh, text is the Jordan River. And it's here at the River Jordan that John the Baptist is busy doing ministry. He's He's busy preaching repentance. John is busy baptizing believers in the Jordan River. And then all of a sudden, Jesus steps out of the crowd and he steps into the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John, he's shocked and he hesitates. He, he, he hesitates because he recognizes the superiority of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. And so John says to Jesus, Jesus! I should be baptized by you. Jesus, you should baptize me. And Jesus says, this baptism is necessary in order to fulfill all righteousness. And so John is convinced and John has the honor of baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. And this is where we pick up. Chapter 3 of Matthew, beginning in verse 16. This is the word of God. Listen carefully. It says this. It says, Then Jesus, when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon Him. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so, John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. Jesus comes out of the water. The heavens part and the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus like a dove. And then a voice from heaven, God the Father, says of Jesus, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I want to look at one particular word in, this, in these two verses, and the word is beloved, beloved. Some people, uh, I think the British say beloved, but that's three syllables. I'm going with two, man. I, I, I'm just lazy. Beloved. Beloved is a powerful word. The Greek word that's used here is actually agapetos. Agapetos, actually. Yes, Agape Agapetos. Everyone say agapetos, agapetos, agapetos is actually not too hard of a Greek word to translate. It means love or beloved, not a difficult Greek word to translate. We all know the word agape. Well, this is kind of similar, agapetos, agapetos, love or beloved. But here's the problem when we translate this Greek word into the English language and into the English word love or beloved. And the problem is this. The strength of this word gets lost in translation. Here's what I mean. We use the English word love all the time. It's used frequently and all the time for a wide range of things. For example, we say, I love Jesus. I love my parents. I love my spouse. I love my children. And in the same breath, we also st- say stuff like, I love Caramel macchiatos. We say, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. We say, I love chicken katsu curry rice. Chris Moore, you have to try some chicken katsu curry rice before you leave here. He's from Alabama, Mississippi area. Chicken katsu curry rice. We also say, I love the Dallas Cowboys. No amen here. I love the Dallas Cowboys. We also, my wife would say, she would say, I love Target, I love Ross, I love TJ Maxx. And then, of course, our children always say, I love green eggs and ham, Sam, I am. And so we use the word love frequently and all the time for a wide range of things. So much so that the word love has almost become commonplace in our vernacular. Almost an everyday kind of word. But the word here, agapetos, is not one of those words that you use frequently and all the time for a wide range of things. Agapetos is actually reserved for those that are very, very special. It's not one of those words that you kind of toss around. Agapetos is a word that's reserved for those who are dearly, dearly loved. It's reserved for those who are very very greatly loved it's reserved for those who are deeply deeply loved agapetos is not one of those words that you kind of toss around it's reserved for a most adored loved one it's reserved for a most treasured loved one. And so it makes sense when the God, the Father, says of Jesus, This is my agapetos, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What if I told you that you are beloved of God? What if I told you that God says to you, this is Onita, my beloved daughter? What if God says to you, this is Dinah, my beloved daughter? Daughter, This is Lucia, my beloved daughter. This is John, my beloved son. This is Danae, my beloved daughter. This is Abby, my beloved daughter. I don't know about you, but for me, if God said, that I am his beloved child, I'd be like, no way. Like, really? You see, I know, know myself well. I know the thoughts that I think. I know my past. I know the mistakes that I've made. I know the people that I've hurt. Why would God say that I am a beloved child? And here's why. Because some 2,000 years ago, Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. And then he was crucified on a cross. And he was buried. But death and the grave could not hold Jesus. For on the third day, he rose again. And because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, our sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, we are a new creation. We have a new beginning. We have a new start. And listen carefully here. And because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, and only because of it, what is true of Jesus is true of you. And Jesus is beloved of God. And what is true of Jesus is true of you. You are beloved of God. That's why when you look in the scriptures, you see it all throughout the New Testament. It says, in Christ Christ. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, you are chosen. In Christ, you are predestined. In Christ, you are adopted. In Christ, you are accepted. In Christ, you are redeemed. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are a treasured possession. In Christ, you are beloved of God. We are beloved. People, You and I, we are beloved of God. Listen to one of my favorite Bible passages. Listen to what it says about those who are beloved of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, the tail end of that verse, it says this. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? The question is not just who can be against us. I mean, we all know the answer to that. What is against you? Sickness and pain and loneliness, brokenness and fear. Insecurities, emptiness, depression, all these things are against you. But here, the Apostle Paul is actually more making a statement than asking a question. And listen to the statement that the Apostle Paul is making. The statement that he makes is this God is for you. God is for you. Four very simple words. One-syllable words. Four words. One-syllable words. In order to understand the richness of this simple statement, allow me to emphasize each of these words in turn. The first word is God. God is for you. God, who created the universe... God who created the cosmos, God who who was the designer and architect of our solar system and the Milky Way and galaxies, God who said, let there be light and there was light, God who set the sun and the moon and the stars in their place, God who holds the world in the palm of his hand. The hugeness and vastness and greatness of God is beyond our comprehension. And it is this God who is for you. Because you are beloved of God. Second word is. God is for you, not has been. Not will be, not was, not maybe, but God is for you. On this very day, at this very hour, in this very minute, God is for you. For, God is for you. God is not against you. God is not indifferent toward you. God is cheering for you. God is applauding your steps. God is shouting your name. God is on your corner because God is for you. And you, God is for you. It's your name that is circled on his calendar for for your birthday. He has your birthday circled because he's for you. In Psalm 139, it says that God thinks about you often. In fact, Psalm 139 says that his thoughts, that he thinks toward you, outnumber Every grain of sand on every beach of every shore, that's a lot of sand. That's a lot of thoughts that God thinks toward you because God is for you. God is for you. At this point, you might be, okay, pastor, maybe you're right. I do have some good days. I guess on those good days, beloved of God might be appropriate. But I have a question. How about those days when I blow it, when I mess up? Am I still beloved of God then? How about those days when I go through trials and struggles when I wonder if God is there, when I feel like God has abandoned me, when it appears that God is silent and, and I have all these doubts, am I still the beloved of God then? Here's the answer. One of my favorite passages in Romans, Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. I would commend this passage of scripture to you for memory. Go home and memorize this. It'll help you. Romans 8, beginning in verse 35, says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. In Christ, you are beloved of God. In Christ, you are agapetos of God. I'm going to ask you to take out your photos. Everyone got one of these. I want, I want you to just um, keep it out and hold on to it for a minute. Now I'm go- I want to show you a music video. I want you to allow God to speak to you through this music video. And you can find this music video on YouTube. It's actually a very popular song. And the song is Remind Me Who I Am by Jason Gray. Take a look at this. the enemy would have you believe that you are junk, that you are trash, that you are rubbish. The enemy would have you believe that you're a mistake, that you're a nobody, that you are weak, that you are worthless. Don't buy in to the lie. Take a good look at the picture that you are holding You are beloved of God. If God had a wallet, the picture, this picture that you're holding, would be the picture that God would proudly carry in his wallet. Wow, it's almost like a dove descending. <laughs> if God had a refrigerator, this picture This is the picture that he would proudly display on his refrigerator. You are beloved of God. You are a person of value. You are a person of worth. You are beloved of God. You are smart. You are beautiful. You are kind. You are thoughtful. You are talented. You are a good person. You have a good heart. You are beloved of God. Who am I? In Christ, I am beloved of God. Who are you? In Christ, you are our beloved of God. Let us pray.